Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Good morning and welcome back. I'm Jake Berry and you're with Talk TV. Today, we are asking, have you simply given up on trying to see an NHS dentist? Give me a call on 0344 499 1000. Text on 87222 or tweet us on X using at Talk TV. Joining me now to run through all of the top stories is political commentator Jonathan Liss and conservative commentator Samantha Smith. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for joining us. Look, well, there's loads of news today. We're always bringing the top stories to you here on Talk TV. But I am going to start, Samantha, with this news that's come out overnight that the foundation deal which was really the sort of the start of a trade deal between Britain and the United States of America, has run into real trouble with President Biden and his team saying there's now zero chance of them concluding a trade deal with the UK. That's got to be bad news for Kemi Badenoch and, and the government, hasn't it? Well, the US has traditionally always been one of the UK's largest trade trade partners. Yeah. Last year alone, they the UK's exports to the US accounted for 17% of our over, overall export, exports for the year, equating to, I think it was something over 170 billion odd uh, in, in uh, income for, for the government and for the country. However, as has been established by Biden throughout his 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 tenure as as president, he is very committed to the U.S. labor movement, and mm. it's clear that the prioritization of you of U.S. Uh, worker protections is is being held over any diplomatic relations with the U.K. And so it seems as though the U.K. is very much on the back burner and back foot post Brexit yeah, on said, this issue. The report of this said that he wants to protect Bidenomics. What what are Bidenomics? A catastrophe, most of it. God knows what Bidenomics is. I, I dread to think. I, I don't think that he's capable of stringing together a coherent sentence half the time, let alone a, a coherent economic policy i mean he's no he's certainly he's certainly no no nixon or reagan and oh. i i would say that the uk while this on the surface seems very very negative on the whole i mean it's not affecting our day-to-day -day trade with the us in any in any tangible way in comparison to how the doomsdayers predicted it yeah. would post brexit although it would absolutely be a, a tick on in the box for badnock and for rishi sunak's government to say well, we've they'll be this really deal. disappointed as exactly. well. jonathan um, do you think there's something between the relationship between a Conservative government and a Democratic president? We famously had uh, President Obama saying Britain would be at the back of the queue if it left the European Union for a trade deal. Now all of this work on this foundation deal, which is the precursor to a full trade deal, 
seems to have been chucked out the window. Is, is this a problem between the sort of Conservative Party and, and the Democratic Party, or is it the fact that America's got an election next year like we have? It's neither of the two things, Jake. It's about the lies of the Conservative Party who told us that the key Brexit benefit would be a trade deal with the US. We said that was nonsense all along. Barack Obama said it was nonsense. Donald Trump, who was the best friend the Conservative government could and should have had, he didn't do anything apart from start the trade deal negotiations nominally. The only Brexit benefit that Remainers could agree on was a US trade deal, which the EU didn't have. That was the only thing, so, that, so the, the only tangible no, benefit that Brexit no has had no is zero point to even the UK government's own analysis yeah. projected there was a 0.2% potential GDP benefit from a US trade deal. So even then, it would not compensate in any way, shape or form for the projected 4% loss to GDP of leaving the EU that people in your party told us was going to be so brilliant. Jonathan, and this is what we said all along, and it's not going to happen. Jonathan, people should Jonathan, be angry but, about it. But it's, all, it's all very well to be angry about it. I'm sure people can see your passion at home. But that's not what's happened. Because the United Kingdom is now trading more with the European Union, both by volume and value, than it did in any year before Brexit. So it doesn't matter what the predictions said, let's deal with the reality. What I want to push on in this American thing, are you, like me, a bit fed up with American presidents trying to interfere in UK politics? There's also Obama tried to interfere in the Brexit referendum. He didn't so try to the he, gave, he gave the Biden position to the US government. interfered uh, both <clears> in <throat> the Northern Ireland Protocol and also was very critical of uh, tax cuts that Liz trusted. Is it right for American presidents, albeit our closest allies, should they be trying to interfere and, and change British elections? Jake, this is not about a US government interfering in anything. It's the US, it's an acknowledgement, as you say, the US is our key ally and partner, and what the US does and the US's position on Britain is important for British mm. politics. If the US says, if you have a policy, this is how we will respond, that is a necessary, that's, that's, that's necessary information for the British government and for the British people to know what the consequences of Britain's actions are. It's not interfering in anything to say, you can do what you like, but if you do it, you should know that these are going to be the consequences from our side. That it's just normal, run-of-the-mill politics. Okay. All right, well, I think the British people might feel a bit different. You know, the great hope, Donald Trump, he'll win next year anyway. So we, so we might start to make some progress. Moving on, I was really sorry uh, to hear that Esther Ranson has got stage four cancer. And even though she's massively positive, which is a great thing, and, uh, you know, I hope that what she describes as a miracle treatment will be successful. Um, Samantha, she's also said that she will consider visiting or going to the Dignitas Clinic, which, just for our viewers at home, is a, is a clinic that uh, delivers assisted dying services to people who have no hope of recovery. Mm. First of all, just a very, very, whether you agree with that or not, a very, very brave thing to come out and say and subject yourself to public scrutiny on this issue, don't you think? Absolutely. And I think it speaks to the level of a passion and necessity to have this debate. This, the Dignitas, the assisted dying debate is something that has been shoved off by successive governments and, and regimes throughout the past two, three decades, if not longer. And there, there have long been calls to open up the, the British mind and, and British legislation to assisted dying, because the reality is with a, an increased uh, you know, age, of, age of death, with an aging population, mm. with increased rates of, of, of individuals in care homes and, and people who are living a lower quality of life for longer than they would have, say, in the 
60s, 70s, 80s, where as morbid as it may seem, people would die when they were a little bit younger and perhaps wouldn't have their life drawn out in the way that it is now. Is it really, we need to pose the question, is it really fair to to give these incredibly inspiring people like Esther Ranson, who have lived esteemed and fruitful lives, is it fair to deny them the opportunity to, to have control over when they choose that their life should end? Is it fair to drag out their life and see them reduced to a shell of their former selves when you know, plenty of other, of other nations who we see as civilized and as, as beacons of, of moral virtue in, on the global stage mm. when they would allow... It's, it's, never, it's never an easy issue, though, Jonathan. Is it, I think it's about four years ago that Parliament last had its say on this. It was a free mm. vote. I actually voted against it. I don't agree with the assisted diets. It's one of these uh, issues in Parliament. That's because of my uh, personal viewpoint, but you do get a free vote on it. But is it time, you think, Jonathan, that Parliament had another look at this? Is there sort of other facts? moving on does parliament need to reconsider it has does it does it actually need to catch up with public opinion which is in fact what esther ranson says in the article she writes today about absolutely and i agree with samantha that this is uh, and this actually i think this should be a conservative policy it's about personal freedom and choice mm. and autonomy over your own body i believe i think that we have to be consistent in politics i believe in um freedom I, I think I believe in freedom. On the, I'm on the left. I believe in freedom a lot more than most of the people in your party. I think that we should... I, I don't believe in banning pretty much anything. I think that we should... I, I don't think the drugs should be illegal, for example. I think that people should have the right, informed right to what goes on in their own bodies and what happens to their own bodies. If you are of sound mind and you have the necessary information and... Uh, power to make decisions yeah. over your own life. That is what you should be empowered to do. We have that, as Samantha said, in plenty of countries that we consider allies, you know, Canada, Belgium, the Netherlands, you do have this right to big, do it. It's completely big, wrong that you debate, should be sent to Switzerland to do Jonathan, this on your The own. big debate that happens in Parliament uh, is that people talk about their concern about mission creep, which you have seen in countries like Australia. But I, I don't disagree with you. I think it is time for another debate. Let's move on to an even tougher issue. Should Members of Parliament get a 7% pay rise, let's put it into context. I think that will be the highest in the public sector. Members of Parliament are currently paid £86,000. The proposal is that it will go up by some £6,000 to just over £92,000. It is not determined by MPs. It is determined by an independent pay body, which will consider its own findings in January and may or may not award this pay rise. Jonathan, do you think it's a good idea, MPs, get 7% pay rise? Well, I think that everyone uh, deserves a pay rise in Even MPs? Well, look, some of your cohort don't necessarily deserve that much money, Jake. I'm not sort of um, talking about you personally, obviously. Um, but I think as a general principle, when you have um, soaring inflation, um, wages should, should rise in line with it. What I think is wrong is if MPs are getting a massive pay rise and public servants across the board are not and are going on... A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. 
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Strike was a result of it. That, I think, will stick in the crawl for people across the country, but I don't, in principle, think that people Five should get real... 5% of the armed forces, uh, prison uh, police officers, 7%. Are MPs, should get, MPs get a bigger pay rise than the armed forces, Samantha, quickly? I think that MPs should have been paid a great deal more than they have been for the past 100 or so years. I, I think that MPs, we're not ready as a country to have that conversation, but MPs should be paid in line with the, with the enormity of the job that they're doing. OK, well, we're going to come back to this. I'm quickly going to tell you my view on MPs' pay rises, because obviously I am in line to get this 7% pay rise if it's approved. I don't think they should get it. I think members of Parliament's pay should be linked to economic growth. MPs should only get a pay rise if they grow the economy. What would that mean? Back in 2022, they would have got a 4.3% pay rise. This year, they'd get a 0.6% pay rise. And if the economy goes into recession, you should cut MPs' pay. Link members of Parliament's pay and other people in the public sector, like the civil servants, link their pay to economic growth. I think you might find we would then have the fastest-growing economy probably in the entire world if you... Uh, did performance-related pay. They do it in Singapore, by the way. It works in Singapore. I think it's a very good idea. I'm not sure many of my colleagues might pay cut if we went into recession, but, you know, boo-hoo, work a bit harder, do your job better. Right, moving on. NHS dentists, <laughs> I've just upset the entirety of Parliament all in one. No matter what party you're from, I've just upset you. Um, so this sort of feels to me like... I actually have got an NHS dentist. I go to the Whitworth Dental Practice. Oh, quite nice teeth, there we go, they do a good job. Um, but it seems to me, when I speak to my constituents, talk to them, is they just cannot find an NHS dentist. And this extraordinary report today says that in the southwest, to pick on one region, 99% of dentists are not taking on any more NHS patients. 71% across the UK are not taking on any more NHS patients. This, I mean, this is, Jonathan a really, really tricky situation for people with young families and people like me and, and all of us here who want to see an NHS. You just can't find them. It's a damning indictment of not just your government and its dismal failure on the NHS, but also sort of collective governments over the last few decades which have not prioritised the key components of people's health, which is dentistry. The whole principle of the NHS is that it should cover the gamut of people's health from cradle well, to grave. That is not what we have in this country. Even the best of the best of the NHS, it doesn't deal um, with sort of social care at the end of people's lives. If you have Alzheimer's, you know, that's basically sort of out of the remit of the NHS de facto. Mm. And, and, and dentistry is another key thing. So we have essentially in this country, we, we pride ourselves on our NHS, the pride of the world, the dentistry is essentially the preserve of the rich. And that is a shocking indictment of well, it's a, it's a, we're, we're hitting now. a two-tier system, aren't we? We have people actually who can pay are choosing to me. You just cannot get access. I'm very lucky. I've got an NHS... A brilliant NHS dentist, if he's watching. He's very good. Uh, but it's a two-tier system. I mean, Samantha, West Street today proposed a £20,000 golden hello bonus, uh, the Labour Party's policy to get people to more people to work in the NHS as dentists. They have to work for a set number of years. I can't remember. It seems like a few years. I think it's quite a good idea, don't you? 
as I suppose as as much as I might, I might sound like a little bit of a Scrooge saying this, throwing more money at the NHS is not going to solve the problems that we have. It isn't, We Labour can bang on as much as they want about chronic underfunding of the NHS. It isn't chronic underfunding, it's chronic misfunding. We mm. have an NHS that is bloated and absolutely, I mean, it's it's one of the biggest sources of, of the government's budget every year, and yet we aren't able to access our vital services. That doesn't speak to a, to a service that's underfunded. It speaks to a service that isn't putting that money into the right place. I mean, of, of the 4,900 odd dental surgeries across the country, 82% aren't adding new over 18s yeah. to the list. 71% of children, people who are from working class backgrounds who can't afford to pay. I myself, I'm at university. I, I have been trying for two and a half years to find a good dentist in, in the Northeast. And while there are some, most of them are, are only private. Yeah. And most and NHS it's expensive. Dentists, so they, exactly. it's, it's just over 20 quid. Exactly. To see NHS dentists, uh, on average, for your checkup, mm -hmm. 70 plus pounds is in this article. Really interesting. And that's why we are asking you at home today, have you simply given up on trying to find an NHS dentist? We want to hear from you on 0344 499 And we've got our first caller. So let's go to Sharon in Salford, who wants to talk to me about NHS dentistry on the brink. Sharon, thank you very much Hi. for calling the show. What's your experience in Salford? Well, I'm an NHS dentist, and my surgery is empty for two and a half days a week because I can't get any funding to do NHS dentistry. So, um, I, I've heard this before, actually. So, is this a cap on the number of patients you're able to take on? I think, I think yes. that's what you're saying. And if so, yes. um, who, who sets that cap? Uh, the local dental, uh, Man Greater Manchester. Hmm. Well, you know, what, what's it all about? I mean, we've got, you know, the fact that you've called the switchboards jammed, this report says that people can't find an NHS dentist. Is it is it being rationed rationed because of, because of budgets? Is it simply that yes. the government needs to put more money into it? Yes, it's the local authority, the dental people that won't. I've tried everything. That we've got an influx of people who can't afford to live in London. I advertised in the local paper was inundated. Mm. I'm willing to do NHS dentistry, but they won't give me the funding. Well, well, maybe maybe that's part of the issue. Maybe uh, uh, maybe the thing that Samantha says is wrong. Maybe it is simply a matter of money. When you did advertise as taking on your NHS patients, what was the sort of demand like? We hear about oh, in this article. Unbelievable! Unbelievable! Uh, well, what well, what sort of thing did We're you getting... see, Sharon? We're... We've got big families here in this area with like six, eight children with terrible teeth. We had massive amount of people phoning. We've got waiting lists. Even now, we get 10, 15 people phoning a day. And I'm willing to do it. So, Sharon, what, what can and should we be doing to try and, uh, you know, to, to try and unblock this? Is this, is this just a matter of... Uh... Uh, political will, or is it, or is it money that is in the NHS in Greater Manchester that's been yes. diverted to other services yes. like catching yes. up with COVID and things like that? Is this not a priority for your yes. local NHS trust? The thing is, they they're doing loads of courses for uh, all sorts of things that really aren't necessary, mm. like diversity. <laughs> they're doing courses on that. That money could be put into dentistry. We, we, in the past, we went to schools. We were paid to go to schools mm. and teach them about brushing because I'm very preventive-orientated, and they stopped that. 
And also they allocate how many units of dental activity to each dentist. And, you know, I've asked them, I've begged them. I said, we, we're desperate. And they yeah. allocated us 100 units, which is equivalent to £300. Well, I could, you know, I could. it only matters about 20 patients, that. Well, Sharon, thank you so much. And thank you for all the work you do supporting people in the city of Salford. I, I am just massively depressed to hear about so the situation you find yourself so in. And it speaks to this huge challenge. Thank you so much for calling the show. Jonathan, there we go. It's a cap on numbers. I think most people aren't aware that local health authorities cap numbers. So it's sort of rationing dentistry for, for waiting almost to get your NHS, NHS roll number with your dentist, isn't it? So, Jake, it sounds as though you're a convert to uh, sort of your increased funding and sort of an end to austerity and cuts. Well, and I think the people, the, the, because the we have is, massive cuts is, to local let's, ju let's just be absolutely clear. Public spending has gone up every single year since 2010. So you're all very well talking about austerity. We are spending more money on the NHS than we ever have in history. What about funding if, the if, if money, I, I don't know. I, I don't have the figures. I'm not going to pretend I do know. But if money was the only answer, we would be living in a, you know, in an NHS dentistry utopia. No one says... Because we have never spent more cash on No one says money is the only answer. It's also about how you spend the money. It's also about how you govern things. Labour seems to think that money is the only answer. No, I don't think that... I don't think that if Wes Treating was here, he would completely deny that, Samantha. He would say that it's well, about how you govern... Of course you Obviously, everyone agrees. <laughs> everyone agrees. No, obviously, I could, I could sort of put sort of a thousand pounds on the table right now and burn it. I've put, I've spent a thousand pounds. It's about how you divert that money, how you channel that money. Clearly, we seem to have an issue, and you won't, you won't you'll forgive me for saying this because the British public seems to agree with me. We have a, a trust and competence, competency deficit in the Conservative Party, which is why you're so far behind in the polls. People don't think you're very good at running things right now. Clearly, it's about not only about money, it's about what you do with that money, about the, the resources, the management, the administration, uh, about sort of getting the right people to, to, to staff. But actually, if you, look, if you look at both leaders, it's all very well to say, but if you look at both of these, they're both really unpopular. Actually, we've got a bigger problem in this country with people just saying a plague on all your houses, haven't we? The sound, I mean, this sounds like you, you're making a plea to NHS middle management more than anything else, because as you said yourself, throwing money at the wall isn't the answer if, if it's being managed poorly. And